Section twenty six of the Seen and the Unseen by Richard Marsh. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Eleven. The Houseboat. Chapter three. She moved away from me. She squeezed herself against the side of the cabin. She withdrew her limbs from between the sheets. As for me, the person who had stepped upon the bed had actually stepped upon me, and that without seeming at all conscious of my presence someone sat down plump upon the sheet beside me that was enough i took advantage of my lying on the edge of the bed to slip out upon the floor i might possess an unsuspected capacity for undergoing strange experiences but i drew the line at sleeping with a ghost the moonlight streamed across the room as i stood in something very like a state of nature on the floor i could clearly see violet cowering on the further side of the bed I could distinguish all her features but when i looked upon the bed itself there was nothing there the moon's rays fell upon the pillow they revealed its snowy whiteness there seemed nothing else it could reveal it was untenanted and yet if one looked closely at it it seemed to be indented just as it might have been indented had a human head been lying there but about one thing there could be no mistake whatever my ears did not play me false i heard it too distinctly the sound made by a person who settles himself between the sheets and then the measured respiration of one who composes himself to slumber i remained there silent on her hands and knees violet crept towards the foot of the bed when she had gained the floor she stole on tiptoe to my side i did not dare to step across her i felt her as she nestled to me give me a little shiver i could not do it can you see her what a fool i am as violet asked her question there came this observation from the person in the bed whom by the way i could not see there was a long-drawn sigh oh, what fools all we women are what fools there was a sincerity of bitterness about the tone which coming as it did from an unseen speaker one so near and yet so far had on one a most uncomfortable effect violet pressed closer to my side the woman in the bed turned over overhead there still continued the measured tramp tramping of the man we were conscious in some subtle way that the woman lay listening to the footsteps they spoke more audibly to her ears even than to ours Ollie ollie she repeated the name softly to herself with a degree of tenderness which was in startling contrast to her previous bitterness i wish you would come to bed she was silent there was only the sound of her gentle breathing her bitter mood had been but transient she was falling asleep with words of tenderness upon her lips above the footsteps ceased all was still there was not even the murmur of the waters the wife and i side by side stood looking down upon what seemed an empty bed she is asleep said violet it seemed to me she was although i could not see her it seemed to me she was i could hear her breathing as softly as a child violet continued whispering how strange eric what can it mean i muttered a reply a problem for the psychical research society it seems just like a dream i wish it were a dream Shh! 
there is someone coming down the stairs there was at least if we could trust our ears there was apparently the man above had had enough of solitude we heard him move across the roof then pause just by the steps then descend them one by one it seemed to us that in this step there was something stealthy that he was endeavouring not to arouse attention to make as little noise as possible halfway down he paused at the foot he paused again he's listening outside the door it almost seemed that he was we stood and listened too let's get away from the bed my wife drew me with her at the opposite end of the cabin was a sort of little alcove which was screened by a curtain and behind which were hung one or two of our garments which we were not actually using violet drew me within the shadow of this alcove i say drew me because offering no resistance i allowed myself to be completely passive in her hands the alcove was not large enough to hold us still the curtain acted as a partial screen the silence endured for some moments then we heard without a hand softly turning the handle of the door while i was wondering whether after all i was not the victim of an attack of indigestion or whether i was about to witness an attempt at effecting a burglarious entry into a houseboat a strange thing happened the strangest thing that had happened yet as i have already mentioned the moon's rays flooded the cabin this was owing to the fact that a long narrow casement which ran round the walls near the roof of the cabin had been left open for the sake of admitting air and ventilation but save for the moonbeams the cabin was unlighted when however we heard the handle being softly turned a singular change occurred it was like the transformation scene in a theatre the whole place all at once was brilliantly illuminated the moonbeams disappeared instead a large swinging lamp was hanging from the centre of the cabin so strong was the light which it shed around that our eyes were dazzled it was not our lamp we used small hand lamps which stood upon the table by its glare we saw that the whole cabin was changed for an instant we failed to clearly realize in what the change consisted then we understood it was a question of decoration the contents of the cabin for the most part were the same though they looked newer and the positions of the various articles were altered but the panels of the cabin of the water lily were painted blue and white the panels of this cabin were coloured chocolate and gold eric it's the sylph the suggestion conveyed by my wife's whispered words even as she spoke occurred to me i understood where for inglis had lain the difficulty of recognition the two cabins were the same and yet they were not it was just as though someone had endeavoured without spending much cash to render one as much as possible unlike the other in this cabin there were many things which were not ours in fact so far as i can see there was nothing which was ours strange articles of costume were scattered about the table was covered with a curious litter and on the ingenious article of furniture which did duty as a bed and which stood where our bed stood and which indeed seemed to be our bed there was someone sleeping as my startled eyes travelled round this amazing transformation scene at last they reached the door there they stayed mechanically i shrank back nearer to the wall i felt my wife tighten her grasp upon my hand the door was open some few inches through the aperture thus formed there peered a man he seemed to be listening 
it was so still that one could hear the gentle breathing of the woman sleeping in the bed apparently satisfied he opened the door sufficiently wide to admit of his entering the cabin my impression was that he could not fail to perceive us yet to all appearances he remained entirely unconscious of our neighbourhood he was a man certainly under five feet six in height he was slight in build very dark with face clean-shaven his face was long and narrow in dress and bearing he seemed a gentleman yet there was that about him which immediately reminded me of what inglis had said of the man bush he looked as though he had something to do with horses he stood for some seconds in an attitude of listening so close to me that i had only to stretch out my hand to take him by the throat i did not do it i don't know what restrained me i think more than anything it was the feeling that these things which were passing before me must be passing in a dream his face was turned away he looked intently towards the sleeping woman after he had had enough of listening he moved towards the bed his step was soft and cat-like it was absolutely noiseless glancing down i perceived that he was without boots or shoes he was in his stockinged feet i had distinctly heard the tramp tramping of a pair of shoes upon the cabin roof i had heard them descend the steps possibly he had paused outside the door to take them off when he reached the bed he stood looking down upon the sleeper he stooped over her as if the better to catch her breathing he whispered softly gertie he paused for a moment as if for an answer none came standing up he put his hand as it seemed to me into the bosom of his flannel shirt he took out a leather sheath from the sheath he drew a knife it was a long slender glittering blade quite twelve inches in length at no part was it broader than my little finger with the empty sheath in his left hand the knife behind his back in his right he again leaned over the sleeper again he softly whispered gertie again there was no answer again he stood upright turning his back towards the bed so that he looked towards us his face was not an ugly one though the expression was somewhat saturnine on it at the instant there was a peculiar look such a look as i could fancy upon the face of a jockey who toward the close of a great race settles himself in the saddle with the determination to finish well the naked blade he placed upon the table the empty sheath beside it then he moved towards us my first thought was that now at last we were discovered but something in the expression of his features told me that this was not so he approached us with an indifference which was amazing he passed so close to us that we were conscious of the slight disturbance of the air caused by his passage there was a gladstone bag on a chair within two feet of us picking it up he bore it to the table opening it out he commenced to pack it all manner of things he placed within it both masculine and feminine belongings even the garments which the sleeper had taken off and which lay scattered on the chair and on the floor even her shoes and stockings when the bag was filled he took a long brown ulster which was thrown over the back of a chair he stuffed the pockets with odds and ends when he had completed his operations the cabin was stripped of everything except the actual furniture he satisfied himself that this was so by overhauling every nook and corner in the process passing and repassing violet and me with a perfect unconcern which was more and more amazing being apparently at last clear in his mind upon that point he put on the ulster and the dark cloth cap 
and began to fasten the gladstone bag while he was doing so his back being turned to the bed without the slightest warning the woman in the bed sat up the man's movements had been noiseless he had made no sound which could have roused her possibly some sudden intuition had come to her in her sleep however that might be she all at once was wide awake she stared round the apartment with wandering eyes her glance fell on the man dressed as for a journey where are you going the words fell from her lips as unawares then some sudden conception of his purpose seemed to have flown to her brain she sprang out of bed with a bound you shan't go she screamed she rushed to him he put his hand on the table he turned to her something flashed in the lamplight it was the knife as she came he plunged it into her side right to the hilt for an instant he held her spitted on the blade he put his hand to her throat he thrust her from him with the other hand he extricated the blade he let her fall upon the floor she had uttered a sort of sigh as the weapon was being driven home beyond that she had not made a sound all was still he remained for some seconds looking down at her as she lay then he turned away we saw his face it was if possible paler than before a smile distorted his lips he stood for a moment as if listening then he glanced round the cabin as if to make sure that he was unobserved his black eyes travelled over our startled features in evident unconsciousness that we were there then he glanced at the blade in his hand as he did so he perceptibly shuddered the glittering steel was obscured with blood as he perceived that this was so he gasped he seemed to realize for the first time what it was that he had done taking an envelope from an inner pocket of his ulster he began to wipe the blood from off the blade while doing so his wandering glance fell upon the woman lying on the floor some new aspect of the recumbent figure seemed to strike him with a sudden horror he staggered backwards i thought he would have fallen he caught at the wall to help him stand caught at the wall with the hand which held the blade at that part of the cabin the wall was doubly panelled halfway to the roof between the outer and the inner panel there was evidently a cavity because when in his sudden alarm he clutched at the wall the blade slipped from his relaxing grasp and fell between the panels such was his state of panic that he did not appear to perceive what had happened and at that moment a cry rang out upon the river possibly it was someone hailing the keeper of the lock ahoy the sound seemed to fill him with unreasoning terror he rushed to the table he closed the gladstone with a hurried snap he caught it up he turned to flee as he did so i stepped out of the alcove i advanced right in front of him i cannot say whether he saw me or whether he didn't but he seemed to see me he started back a look of the most awful terror came on his countenance and at that same instant the whole scene vanished i was standing in the cabin of the water lily the moon was stealing through the little narrow casement violet was creeping to my side she stole into my arms i held her to me eric she moaned for myself i am not ashamed to own that temporarily i had lost the use of my tongue when in a measure the faculty of speech returned to me was it a dream i whispered it was a vision a vision i shuddered look 
as i spoke she turned to look there in the moonbeams we saw a woman in her nightdress lying on the cabin floor we saw that she had golden hair it seemed to us that she was dead we saw her but a moment she was gone it must have been imagination we know that these things are not but it belonged to that order of imagination which is stranger than reality my wife looked up at me eric it is a vision which has been sent to us in order that we may expose in the light of day a crime which was hidden in the night i said nothing i felt for a box of matches on the table i lit a lamp i looked round and round the cabin holding the lamp above my head the better to assist my search it was with a feeling of the most absurd relief that i perceived that everything was unchanged that so far as i could see there was no one there but my wife and i i think violet if you don't mind i'll have some whisky she offered no objection she stood and watched me as i poured the stuff into a glass i am bound to admit that the spirit did me good and what i asked do you make of the performance we have just now witnessed she was still i took another drink there can be no doubt that under certain circumstances whisky is a fluid which is not to be despised have we both suddenly become insane or do you attribute it to the cucumber we ate at lunch how strange that mr inglis should have told us the story only this afternoon i wish mr inglis had kept the story to himself entirely they were the voices which i heard last night they were the voices mason heard it was all predestined i understand it now i wish that i could say the same i see it all she pressed her hands against her brow her eyes flashed fire i see why it was sent to us what it is we have to do eric we have to find the knife i began to fear from her frenzied manner that her brain must in reality be softening what knife the knife which he dropped between the panels the boat has only been repainted we know that in all essentials the sylph and the water-lily are one and the same mr inglis said that the weapon which did the deed was never found no adequate search was ever made it is waiting for us where he dropped it my dear violet don't you think you had better have a little whisky it will calm you have you a hammer and a chisel what do you want them for it was here that he was standing it was here that he dropped the knife she had taken up her position against the wall at the foot of the bed frankly i did not like her manner at all it was certainly where in the latter portion of that nightmare the fellow had been standing i will wrench this panel away she rapped against the particular panel with her knuckles behind it we shall find the knife my dear violet this houseboat isn't mine we cannot destroy another man's property in that wanton fashion he will hardly accept as an adequate excuse the fact that at the time we were suffering from a severe attack of indigestion this will do she took a large carving knife out of the knife basket which was on the shelf close by her she thrust the blade between the panel and the woodwork it could scarcely have been securely fastened in a surprisingly short space of time she had forced it loose then grasping it with both her hands she hauled the panel bodily away eric it is there something was there resting on a little ledge which had checked its fall on to the floor beneath something which was covered with paint and dust and cobwebs and violet all at once grew timid 
you take it i dare not touch the thing it is very curious something is there and by george it is a knife it was a knife the knife which we had seen in the vision the dream the nightmare call it what you will the something which had seemed so real there was no mistaking it tarnished though it was the long slender blade which we had seen the man draw from the leather sheath stuck to it by what was afterwards shown to be coagulated blood was an envelope the envelope which we had seen the fellow take from his pocket to wipe off the crimson stain it had adhered to the blade when the knife fell the envelope fell too at least i murmured as i stared at this grim relic this is a singular coincidence the blood upon the blade had dried it required but little to cause the envelope to fall away as a matter of fact while i was still holding the weapon in my hand it fell to the floor i picked it up it was addressed in a woman's hand francis joins esquire fairly streatham i at once recognized the name as that of a well-known owner of racehorses and so-called gentleman rider not the least singular part of all that singular story was that the letter inside that envelope which was afterwards opened and read by the proper authorities was from mr joints's wife it was a loving tender letter from a wife who was an invalid abroad to a husband whom she supposed was thinking of her at home mr joints was never arrested and that for this sufficient reason that when the agents of the law arrived at his residence mr joints was dead he had committed suicide on the very night on which we saw that call it vision on board the water lily i viewed the corpse against my will i was not called in evidence had i been i was prepared to swear as was my wife that mr joints was the man whom i had seen in a dream that night it was shown at the inquest that he had suffered of late from horrid dreams that he had scarcely dared to sleep i wonder if in that last and most awful of his dreams he had seen my face seen it as i saw his it was afterwards shown from inquiries which were made that mr joints and mr bush tenant of the sylph were beyond all doubt one and the same person on the singular circumstances which caused that discovery to be made I offer no comment. End of section 26